0: I don't know about you, but that music makes me happy. It does. It's happy music. Uh, again, good morning and welcome. My name is Dion, and I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online as well. Um, you know, here we are. We're on a Mother's Day weekend. It's, it's a good weekend. We're starting a new series. Here's I, how I want to start this today, though. I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask them this question. Ask them, how you doing? And then if someone turns to you and asks you that question, why don't you go ahead and answer, okay? Go ahead and do that. Even if you're at home, go ahead and find someone to do that with right now. Now, I realize that when someone asks you to do this in church, it's a little bit artificial, so maybe it wasn't exactly authentic. And yet, if you ask that same question out in life, like we all do all of the time, what are you most likely to hear from people? Well, fine, how are you? Right, yeah. So in, in my world, like, the first thing that I would hear from people, and this says something about my life phase, is this, busy, Right. So I hear all the time from people. How are you? Oh, we're so busy. You got this and this and this and and, and busy. But I don't think it's the most popular answer. Some of you said the most popular answer. I think the top answer on the board, survey says, good, right? Good. We're good. Fine. How are you? Everything's great. Now, there are people who, when you ask them that question, they give you really long answers. And you just kind of learn to avoid asking that question of those people because... None of us really want to know the answer, right? We're just asking it to be friendly. And yet, if, if we take us at our own word with this answer that we give when someone asks us how we're doing, which is usually good or fine and I'm doing well, whatever, then that means that we are all living the good life by our own admission, which is good because that's what this series is, is for. It's for people who are living the good life, Now, in church, this is kind of of different, because in church, we usually talk about how to get through struggle and how God wants you to handle struggle and hardship and difficulty in your life. But in this series, it's going to be kind of different. We're going to talk about how do you manage life when life is good. We even have a new growing deeper for you. Um, So if you picked one of these up on the way in, great. If not, grab one on the way out. There's also, um, they're available online electronically. We'll send you a daily email if you want. Uh, The website's up there. Um, So we've got this all set for you, for people who are living the good life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, hey, 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 I, I didn't say I was actually living the good life. I just, I just answered the question, I, I'm good. I'm doing well. In other words, that means you have a lying problem, right? Um, but, but I think the reality is that, that although a lot of us would say there are things that are going well in our life, there are things that are good in our lives, we'd be a little hesitant to take the next step and to say, oh, and yeah, I'm living the good life, For a number of reasons, life sometimes seems less than good. And uh, here's some reasons that I find in my own life. The first is because we've got stressors and problems. I mean, even when life is good, there's still a lot of stress in life. Just this week on Monday, I was having a really long and stressful day. One of those work days that feels like it could have been three work days. It just goes on forever. And I was trying to get things wrapped up, working really hard to get things buttoned up so I could go home. And had to be back for some meetings and stuff. And, and so, so I, I'm trying to do this and I get, I get a call from my wife, a panicked phone call. And, uh, and she tells me about how our beloved puppy, that, uh, that great, generous Christmas gift from my parents this year how the, uh, the puppy got into a box of candy, a box of chocolate candy. And she had to be somewhere, and she's panicking. She's saying, what do I do? And I'll, I'll just reassure you, the puppy's fine. Everything's fine. Um, but what I won't tell you is how I actually responded to her, because if you are a pet lover, you would hate me for the rest of my life <laughs> in the way that I responded to her in that moment. Why? Because not because life was bad, just because it was a stressful day. And when you're dealing with stressors in life, it's hard to say that life is good. Now, some of you, it's well beyond stressors. You actually are dealing with big problems in your life. I mean, you wish for a stressful day because the things that you're facing, they're huge. You're facing huge money problems or marriage problems, relationship problems. You're facing a big problem at work or at school. You're facing a health problem. Uh, some of you, you know, this, this Mother's Day is a great day for some of you. For some of you, today, it's the most distressing day of the year because you're either missing your mom or you had fertility problems or some other kind of problems in your life. And, and, and so for you, maybe, maybe it's like not even, not even that you have stressors in your life. You wish life was just stressful because you're facing huge things. You've got, you've got problems. And when those things are in your life, no matter how good the rest of it is, it's hard for us to say, yeah, life is good. It's hard to say that and actually mean that. Or the second reason. Because someone else is always doing better. Sometimes life seems less than good because someone else is always doing better, right? No matter how good life is, all you have to do is get on Facebook or get on Instagram, start looking around. Someone's doing better than you. And suddenly it makes your life seem not so good. Or in our celebrity-obsessed culture, you turn on the TV, you look at People magazine when you're checking out in the grocery, you know, you look at that stuff and you suddenly feel like, I thought my life was okay until I looked at that person. That's a reason sometimes we have a hard time admitting—at least I do—that uh, that life seems is that life is is good. It seems less than good sometimes. Um, number three, because it sounds distasteful. You know people who, when you ask them the question of how things are going, and maybe even if you don't ask, they can't stop telling you about how wonderful their lives are, right? And you're listening to that, and you want to be happy for them, but deep down inside, you're saying, "Will you just shut up? Like, stop it, seriously. Like, why are you bra-, right? People who are bragging and 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 they're just telling you about how our awesome life, and you just you want to get sick because you're like, okay, enough. I'm, I'm fine. Just keep it to yourself. See, none of us want to be that person, right?" So even when life is going well for us, I think most of us have a sense of humility or a sense of what is appropriate. And so we, we kind of hold back and we don't want to admit, we don't want to appear like we're, we're bragging. The problem with that is this, that if you can never admit that life is going well to people, eventually you'll have a hard time admitting that life is going well even to yourself. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us. We, we fail to admit that life is good even to ourselves, all in the name of humility or in the name of politeness. One more, uh, why it seems that life is less than good sometimes, because struggle feels more honorable than blessing. I'll tell you, if one of these really nails me, it's probably this one, because struggle feels more honorable than blessing. In our culture, we value, we honor, we clap for the underdog, right? Right? The person who starts at nothing, they work their way up by sheer grit and and they become something. We, We applaud those people. The people who are raised in stable, affluent, loving homes with lots of opportunity, we don't clap for them. We judge them, don't we? And I think for a lot of us, even when life is going well, we, we kind of know that, and we don't want to admit that it's going well because, because it seems more noble to have to struggle, and so we make up struggle if we have to in life just to make it sound more noble, to make it sound like we're fighting some big battle, even if life is going pretty well for us. I know it's true for me. I'm terrible at admitting that life is going well because I believe that struggle is more noble. I think it's you know, it sounds better to struggle. And so further, I'm afraid that if, if I admit that life is going well, that someone is going to give me more work to do. Anyone else? <laughs> don't ever tell your boss things are going okay. Always appear busy, right? Uh, don't tell your boss that, that things are going well and you just enjoyed a good vacation. They might freeze your salary, right? Case in point, this, this week on Thursday told you I had a stressful early part of the week. Uh, this week on Thursday, Thursday's my day off. Um, so my wife, she was trying to help me have a good day. So we, um, we started off the morning by having just a quiet breakfast at home after she dropped the kids off at school, which was great. And then I had all this yard work that was past due and she's like, hey, why don't I go outside and help you with the yard work? And so we spent a couple of hours doing yard work and got our, got our yard looking great. And then, um, and then since it was Cinco de Mayo, we said, let's go get some Mexican food for lunch. So we drove to Webster and uh, got some good Mexican food, had a margarita or two, and, uh, you know, just enjoyed the day. It was a beautiful day. Um, and, of course, if you're, if you're local here, when you're in Webster, you are so close to Ted Drew's that it's just, it's just a bad idea not to go. <laughs> I mean, so, so we had to swing by Ted Drew's and we got some custard at Ted Drew's and, uh, and so we make it home and then it's about time to pick up the kids from school and my wife's like, hey, why don't you just stay here and take a nap while I go pick up the kids from school and I'm like, great, okay and so I take a half an hour nap and then our kids come home I mean, great day, right? I mean, great day the kids come home and my daughter Aria, she's, she's 10 Aria comes into the kitchen, she's so sweet and she, she comes to the kitchen, and she goes, daddy, how was your day off? and my answer to her is, it was okay like, what's wrong with me? Why, 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 I don't even know why I said that. And the worst part of all of that, the worst part of all of that is that Jocelyn was sitting in the other room and she heard that. And so she says, um, okay, excuse me, only okay, and it didn't end well. So I ended up apologizing, <laughs> but, I, but I also had to look within myself to say, why can't I admit that it was a good day? And for me, it's because struggle feels more honorable than blessing. I have a hard time admitting that life is going well. But here's the truth, okay? No matter what your circumstances are, no matter if you were in a season of struggle or in a season of blessing, uh, no matter what your peer group says or what's going on with them, if you are in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then life is good. Life is very good. You just might not realize it. And today my goal is to help you realize it. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm 103 in your Bible. You can go to your smartphone. You can look up here on the TV in a minute. Psalm 103, um, it's, a, it's a song, a poem written by King David who wrote a lot of psalms. But this one is, this one's uh, unique. I, I love this psalm because in this psalm he's reminding us how good life is when we belong to God. So let's, let's look. Psalm 103 starting at verse 1. Uh, David says, praise the Lord, my soul. So this is kind of a Hebrew way of saying, you know, he's talking to himself. He's saying, come on, praise the Lord, David. Pra- praise the Lord. Cry out and give praise to God. He's, he's giving himself a pep talk here. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, I don't know if you've had a moment like this in life where, where you just spontaneously burst out into praise of God. You know, sometimes when I'm out hiking and I just look up at the towering trees over me and, and they're that brilliant green up against a blue sky with the white clouds, I just, I look around and I just think, man, God, you are so amazing. This world is so incredible and it's so beautiful and you did that. You gave us that because you love us. Thank you. Or sometimes when, when you know, I'm, I'm playing with my kids and, and I hear their belly laugh, you know, that deep belly laugh from a kid when it's just pure joy and I look into their deep dimples, I feel that same overwhelming sense of spontaneous praise. On Wednesday night, I was at the come and worship night here that we did, and it was incredible. If you missed it, you really missed out. Um, But afterward, we were hanging out, and a bunch of people were there. And I'm watching. We don't have family in St. Louis. We live hundreds of miles from our family. And I was watching as my kids were all over the room interacting with people that they love and trust and people who love them. And I just thought, man, God's given me this great church family here that I couldn't ask for anything more. And just in my soul, I just felt this this praise welling up. I don't know if you've experienced a moment like that. Now, it could be that David is in a moment like that as he's writing this psalm, that he's gotten some good news, something has just happened, things are going well, and so he writes out this psalm of praise. But it also could be, and a lot of the psalms work this way, that David is not going through a good season, that David's circumstances are not good, that they're difficult. And this isn't spontaneous. This is discipline. This is a discipline of reminding himself that even though things aren't going well externally, that God is still good and there are still benefits that belong to us when we're in a relationship with him. And then David begins to enumerate these benefits. So whether, whether he's in a season of, of plenty or a season of need, he remembers all the benefits that are his because he is a son of God. And we're going to look at these benefits today. I want you to think about these benefits in your own life. So he says, forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. Now I know some of you right now are struggling with sickness or disease and you've not received healing, but just think over the course of your life. How many times a a cold or something didn't turn into something greater? Think about the health that your family's been given. Think about all the time that something could have gone wrong and, and it hasn't been. God is to credit for all of that. He goes on. He says, who redeems your life from the pit, or my translation of this would be, who saves you from the crazy traffic on Manchester Road, right? So right, you've had those near misses in traffic where you're like, I don't know how I just missed that. I don't, I, maybe an angel stood in the way, and, and David's going, yeah, in those moments when God saves you from the pit of death, bless the Lord, I mean, he's done that for you. He goes on, he says, and crowns you with love and compassion, like a crown on your head, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth, your energy, your spirit is renewed like the eagles? When I think about this verse, um, satisfying your desires with good things, I think about it several years ago. My kids they, uh, they they were taking piano lessons, and um, and we didn't have a piano in the house, which is apparently a problem because piano teachers want you to practice during the week, we found out. Um, so our kids were playing piano. In fact, my daughter Ellie was over here on the keys uh, today. So she's, she's been practicing her art and getting better at it. But we were looking for a piano out on Craigslist. And now you know this, and some of you right now are probably saying, hey, you need a piano? I've got two. Just come take it off my hands. Um, so there are pianos aplenty to be found out in the world. Um, but we, we have this space in our house that was just kind of perfect for a certain type of piano. So we were looking around for a cheap, but a fitting piano. And so I finally found one. It's this, uh, it's this petite grand piano made by a a company called Winton. Um, it's from like the 1920s, I think. Uh, this really kind of old rugged looking piano, but it, it, it would fit perfectly. And so I started talking to the, the owner and negotiating a price and it was going to have to be moved because she had to get rid of it and I didn't have a truck and all this stuff. And, and about halfway through it, I just thought, you know what, this is dumb. I don't have the money for this, really. We have other things we need to spend our money on. And next week, there's going to be someone who's giving away a piano, and it may not be the right piano, but who cares? It'll be a piano. I should just wait and see how God might provide this another way. Some, you know, something will come up. So I wrote the lady an email. Um, again, we're talking on Craigslist, and so I wrote her an email, and I just said, hey, you know what? I, I, sorry to waste your time. Uh, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm going to have to step away from this deal, and, you know, my apologies. Gave her a little bit, a little bit of explanation and then just left it at that. Well, about a day and a half later uh, No, I'm sorry, about a half a day later The next day, a half a day later um, I got an email from this woman And she said, I don't know if anyone can be at your house today But if you can, if you can be there this afternoon I will give you the piano and I'll even pay to have it moved Just be there Now, I, I read that email and I just thought Only God could do this, right? I mean, I don't know this woman She doesn't know me She has no reason to give me this piano And to pay to have it moved. Like, it's actually costing her to give me this piano. And and I just thought, only God could do this. See, see, he's a God who doesn't just give us what we need at a very base subsistence level. But but he's a God who satisfies our desires with good things. Now, it's not a $90,000 concert grand piano. No, of course not. It's a good piano, though. And God just saw that that was something that would bless our family. Something that, that, that we wanted. Something that would fill our house with music. And it has. And he gave us to that. He gave us that thing, rather. And I just think, God, I mean, you're so good. God, that you see our desires and you're willing to satisfy them. Just blows me away. David said that too. Uh, Then in the next verse, he says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Uh, One more quick story. Um, Sharing a lot of stories here today. That's because this is personal for me. And I hope it's personal for you. And I hope that every story I tell reminds you of a story in your own life where you can remember the benefits of being the son or the daughter of God. But as I read these words about works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, I think back to seminary. Um, we, were, uh, we were these poor seminary students, newly married, Jocelyn and I. Uh, we were moving into our third year of the seminary process, which is an internship. So we were getting ready to move to, to Minnesota, from St. Louis to Minnesota. And um, about three days before we were moving, Jocelyn found out that she was pregnant, which wasn't great news because we weren't planning on having a kid in seminary. We didn't really have a lot of income; it was going to be a tough thing for us. Um, but you know, we, we were we were happy. It's first time ever getting pregnant, and we were really excited about that. And um, and yet, the problem was the big problem was that we were in between health insurance policies. Um, so in seminary, we had this crazy catastrophic, you know, like if you get All of your limbs cut off. They might give you a Band-Aid on insurance, but nothing else. Policy. It really was no good, but seminary required us to have it, so that's what we had. And then we were were getting ready to have some better health care when we went on vicarage on our internship because I was going to be working a job. So we had applied for that. It was about to start in two weeks, but she, you know, she was pregnant. And at first I'm thinking, well, maybe we can lie. Maybe we can just pretend the baby's early and just, you know, and then I'm thinking, Okay, this is the insurance company. They're, they're smart. They know about this stuff and that wouldn't have any integrity anyway. So um, here, here's what I did. I sat down and I wrote a letter to the insurance company. Now, I mean no disrespect to any of you who work for a health insurance company, um, but it felt foolish to me as I'm sitting down and I'm asking for mercy from a health insurance company. Um, they're just not kind of known for that thing, especially a pregnancy. I'm thinking, this pregnancy is going to cost us $10,000, and we don't have that kind of money. Um, so I read on this letter, and I, I just explained to them everything. I said, hey, you know, we're about to start insurance. My wife got pregnant. We weren't trying. We didn't know. Um, I, you know, I'm asking, will you cover this this pregnancy? And then I waited for about a month. One day I got home from, from work and my new internship in Minnesota and on our answering machine. Now, let me explain this to some of you who are younger. Um, there used to be this box that was like hooked into the wall and when you weren't home, it would like keep your messages for you like voicemail, except it was a box. And um, so I, I get home and I, I, you know, see the flashing button, and I push, or the flashing light and I push the button and uh, I hear this, I hear this message from the health insurance company. And they say, Mr. Garrett, we've, we've read your letter and we've um, had some deliberations and we just want you to know that your wife's pregnancy is going to be fully covered. And I replayed that message about five times. <laughs> being like, did I hear that right? It is going to be covered, right? And, and then I forbade Jocelyn to ever delete the message. I kept that on there throughout the whole pregnancy as evidence. Um, in fact, I, I guarantee that, you know, the sad thing is to think about is that the answer machine is now long gone. It's probably in a landfill somewhere and if you went and found it and pressed play on that thing, that message would probably still be there. Because who does that? Insurance companies don't do that, right? They, they don't do that. They're watching their bottom line. They don't give... You know, a a $10,000 gift to a client who is actually outside of the boundaries. They don't do that. That only happens with God. See, he works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, for all the lowly, for all the downtrodden, for poor seminary students who find themselves pregnant and have no way to pay for it. God works righteousness and justice for them, David says. And then he goes on. He says, he made known his ways to Moses. Back in Moses' day, his deeds to the people of Israel when he saved them from slavery in Egypt. And and this is who God revealed himself to be. David reminds us, this is what God said of himself. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, but abounding in love. And he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. This is the part that gets to me. I'm going to tell you, all of that stuff reminds me of God's goodness. But this is the stuff that just blows me away. That he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. It's another word for sin. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us, for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father, has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. See, when we get right down to it, this is the stuff that just blows me away. The benefits of belonging to God is that God looks at me and he sees me just as I am. Right? He sees those moments where I lack integrity, he sees my deceit, he sees my sin, he sees my mistake, he sees my 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 ugliest sides, my hatred, my jealousy, my envy, he sees all of that. And he doesn't distance himself from me. Instead, he distances me from my sin as far as the east is from the west, right? It's limitless. That's how far he's taken my sin away from me. And he doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. He doesn't even treat me as a second-class citizen. He doesn't give me the stink eye and say, like, I'm watching you, Garrett, you know? Like, instead, he treats me with unfailing love and compassion As a father has compassion on his children, that's how God feels about me. As as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his love is for me. Can you hear David pleading with us? Just begging us, saying, No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what everyone else has in life, if you are a son, if you are a daughter of the Most High God, forget not the benefits. Life may be really hard right now, but forget not the benefits. Because God is good and he loves you. And there are all kinds of good things that come into your life simply because you belong to him. Now see, this is why why I think this is so important for us. Okay? I, I think it's so important to us because somewhere along the way, we get this idea in our minds. We get this idea that God is out to make our lives harder, not better. Don't we? Because I'll hear people talk sometimes about wanting to get closer to God, to grow in their relationship with God, and and then I'll see this look of hesitancy come over them. And I know that look because I've experienced that look. That look of hesitancy is, is what will this cost me? If I get closer to God, if I let him have more of me, what is this going to cost me? What is this going to take away from me? I'm not done having fun yet in life. I'm not ready to hang it up. Do I really want to commit to this? I mean, let's just be honest. Most of us believe here in this room that if we said, God, have your way. I'll do whatever you ask me to. You call the shots. I'll follow. Whatever you say, I will do. If we we did that, if we surrendered ourselves fully to God, I think most of us believe that we wouldn't like where we ended up, that we'd end up, you know, like selling all of our possessions and living in a box on a street corner, handing out tracts. We're living in some hut in Africa alone and sad and isolated, but doing mission work, right? We believe that, that God is out to make our lives harder, not better. And I don't know where we get that idea from. It's certainly not the Bible because the Bible teaches something else. The Bible teaches that God is out to make our lives better, even if it's harder. And, and I'll just acknowledge that sometimes God's ways are harder, Sometimes the the way that God calls us to, it requires courage and faith. It seems so counterintuitive, like Don and Donna in that video talking about this idea of tithing, giving 10% of your money away, even when you both end up unemployed and you're trying to make ends meet. I mean, that's hard. It takes courage. That takes faith. But it's better. God is out to make our lives better, even if it's sometimes harder. Harder. And guys, again, this is why this is so important for us. Because until we believe this is true about God, until we know that this is his character, that he is a good father, he's compassionate, that that he wants to give us good things, that there are incredible benefits that come to us by belonging to him, until we believe that's true, we will never be able to entrust ourselves fully to God. Right? I mean, you wouldn't entrust your kids into the hands of someone who you didn't believe was good. And until we can get it into our minds that God is good and He's not out to make our lives harder, He's out to make our lives better, even though it's harder. He's ultimately out to make our lives better. Until we can get that in our minds, we will never be able to entrust ourselves fully to the hands of God. And here's the reason that's a problem for us not for God, but for us is that until we're willing to entrust ourselves fully into the hands of God, we can't know what a truly good life is. God wants to give you a good life, a life beyond your imagination, beyond your expectation. But that requires you learning to trust him day by day as a good father who's out to make your life better even though it might be harder. And so here's the first step. Today we're going to do just really practically Exactly what David did, what I've been doing over the course of this message. I want to help you today count your blessings. I I want to force you to forget not his benefits. And so uh, on the ends of your rows, if you're here in the room, there are note cards. If you're on the end of the row, you have a responsibility to the rest of your row. Don't just give them, you look at them. No, you reach over, grab the note cards, pass them down. If you're someone like me, I love to take notes in my phone because I can find them later. Um, so take out your phone and do that. If you're joining us online right now, grab your phone, grab a scratch piece of paper. Uh, just be careful if you're grabbing a scratch piece of paper though because my wife's birth certificate to this day has some random person's phone number written on the back. Someone thought it was scratch paper. Um, so make sure it's not a birth certificate or anything important. Um, but go ahead and grab a piece of paper. And I'm going to give you about Two minutes. And I want you just to recount the benefits. I want you to count the blessings that have come into your life. Maybe maybe it's over the course of your life, those milestone things. Or maybe it's the blessings that God has shown to you this week or even even this morning already. I want you to take time and count those blessings on paper. I'm going to give you about two minutes. Do that, please. this might be a really good discipline for you to just to keep doing this, to keep listing your blessings, counting them for remembering, reminding yourself of all the benefits. And I just challenge you to do this tomorrow and the next day and the next day until you are able to say life is good. Even if it's hard, even if the season is difficult, life is good because God is good. I just know that for me, as I, as I think about the things that God has done in my life, yeah, I mean, it makes me grateful. It makes me full. It gives me joy. But, but here's what I want to remind you of. That all those things you wrote on your list, all those things you will write on your list, I just want to remind you that those didn't, those didn't just happen to you. They didn't just happen in your life because you're lucky. They didn't just happen because you work hard or, or you got a good break. They, they didn't just happen All of those things, they are intentional gifts from a God who loves you. A God who wants to give you good things. A God who wants to bless you with himself, but so much more. See, that takes it to the next level for me. Not just remembering the things that are going well in my life, but remembering the one who gave them to me and how great his love must be. So uh, if, if, if that has an effect on you, which I hope it does, Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to rise right now and everyone stand up. Just fake it even if it doesn't have an effect on you. Stand up. And I'm going to invite you to, to just do with me what David said at the beginning of his psalm to do, to let our souls praise the Lord, to bless his name for all of the things that he's given to us, even though they are beyond our ability to count. Let's bless the Lord together.